0: Do you want the good news or the bad news? Uh, it's something many of us say to each other, isn't it? Anybody say that to people? Do you want the good news or the bad news? I've been looking after your dog for the weekend. Do you want the good news or the bad news? The bad news is, uh, well, um, I lost your dog. The good news is, I've still got your lead. <laughs> and most people, of course, choose the bad news first, to end with the good news. So having a lead is a really important thing. Um, so we all have periods of challenges in our life, and then something good comes along. I've had a bit of a, well, a bit of about four weeks where I've been losing things. So I lost a nice uh, propelling pencil. I like propelling pencils. Um, and, uh, then I lost um, the, uh, my work uh, parking pass for Clifton, 200 quid. Um, fortunately, that turned up in my diary in a page somewhere. Um, the pen turned up uh, fortunately uh, i 'd been to preach somewhere else, and uh, yes the the, the person i left it there in their, in their office um, and then I lost my very expensive prescription sunglasses now i don 't wear a prescription sunglasses uh, for fun when I was a kid, I was run over on a crossing and had an end- head injury, which gave me uh, migraines so i 've had uh, dark glasses for about well from about eight. Um, you work that one out. Um, I rang up. I thought, well, I'll ring up the, uh, I'll ring up the insurers, not insured. So I was having a pretty miserable time. Um, anyway, uh, to cut a long story short. I went to my, my viola lesson. <laughs> Sounds t- terribly heard in Waitrose, doesn't it? Went for my viola lesson, and my, I, said to, I said to my tutor, I still haven't found my glasses. And she says, Well, you had them on your head when you came here about two weeks ago. Anyway, I looked around, and there, on a violin case, a black violin case. With my glasses (laughs) and as I said I don't wear them because you know I need to look cool but I do actually (laughs) anyway you're probably wondering where all this is going (laughs) the reading this morning wasn't about the lost son or the prodigal son lost coin or the prodigal son but actually it's really relevant because in our reading in Isaiah today um, Isaiah is prophesying some great news for a dispirited Jewish people who had spent the last 70 years in exile in Babylon. Um, Israel was a bit of a buffer state, you had um, the uh, Babylonians, you had the Assyrians on the top of the north, you had the Egyptians below and they were always moving and they were always uh, defining whose territory it was and in fact uh, the, 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 Jewish, uh, the Jewish people in Israel and Judah um, had been overrun by the Assyrians and then the Assyrians got beaten by the Babylonians and of course um, the Jewish people were taken into exile. So actually, this, you can't read this passage on its own. It doesn't work. I mean, the whole Bible needs to work together. So to give you a bit of background, God had allowed his people to be overrun by the Babylonian Empire because of their sin. Despite plenty of warnings, the kings and religious leaders had not heeded the words of any of the prophets. If you read the book of Kings, you'll find most of them, most of the kings, did evil in God's sight. There were very few who did good in God's sight. And the key crimes were these, and most of them actually are found in Isaiah, worshipping other gods. Isaiah 2 says this, their land is filled with idols, they bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. I mean that does sound slightly ridiculous, you make something, you worship it, I mean that is quite ridiculous really but that's of course what all the nations around Israel and Judah were doing then the second crime the second was worshipping with their mouths but not their hearts and I'm going to read a, a bit from Isaiah here Isaiah 1.13 and this is the kind of um, the thing that, that God really detests so stop bringing meaningless offerings your incense is detestable to me New moons, sabbaths, convocations I cannot bear your worthless assemblies can you imagine being told that in church I can't bear you guys turning up and this is what God is saying your your new moon feasts your appointed vessels, I hate with all my being they have become a burden to me I am weary of bearing them when you spread out your hands in prayer I hide my eyes from you even when you offer many prayers I am not listening that 's pretty harsh isn 't it but that 's how worthless their worship was. They were worshipping form but not in heart and then the next crime, murder, your hands are full of blood isaiah one fifteen theft this is the fourth well there 's quite a lot here theft, bribery, and corruption, oppression of the poor so this is uh, this is Isaiah one just carrying on from one she was once full of justice, righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers your silver has become dross your choice wine is diluted with water Ooh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a law. that's a breaking of law in this country your rulers are rebels they're partners with thieves they all love bribes and chase after gifts, they do not defend the cause of the fatherless and the widow's case does not come before them wow, that's a pretty tough indictment isn't it This is just the first chapter of Isaiah, by the way. And there's more as you go through the book. But, and it's a really, really big but, despite their sin, God is trying to reach out to his people and bring them back to him. This book, this Bible, is about God reaching out to us. Right from the beginning, right from the sin of Adam and Eve, God has been trying to reach us, his creation, people, and God doesn't write off the Israelite people the Jewish people and the reason for this is because of a covenant he made with Abraham which can be found in Genesis 7:17 7, and some of you will know this i will establish my covenant between me and your offspring after you after throughout their generations for everlasting covenant to be god to you and your offspring after you basically I am going to look after you for all time. That is my covenant. That's God's promise to the people of Israel and Judah. Because they were split kingdoms. In return, God expected something from them. To be faithful to him. To worship no other God but him. And obey the commandments. And if you think about the Ten Commandments... There, there are there, the, the kind of crimes against other the crimes against either God or other people worship God above everybody else don't steal, you're stealing off other people don't murder, you're going to be murdering something. don't covet, don't do this they're all there for our good and they were all there for the good of these people good parents never stop loving their children despite what they, despite what they do is that true? Yes, got some parents here. And if you're an uncle or an aunt, or you know parents, good parents never stop loving their children, despite what they might do. Many years ago, I worked in Noll West in the city, an area blighted by drugs at the time. Many families were affected, and young people would do anything to get their drugs, to get their fix, including stealing from their families. In response to this issue a group of mothers set up Noel West Against Drugs to work together to help their children they did this out of love they didn't stop loving their kids despite what they had done to them they didn't stop loving their kids and God's love is so much greater than that God's love is infinite he is always faithful but he had to bring the Jewish people to heal hence the exile, and the destruction of Jerusalem, the sacking and destruction of the temple in around 589 BC. It's worth pointing out that not everybody is exiled when an exile happens. It's just the elites and the rulers. The rest of the ordinary people were left in situ to somehow survive under the authority of their conquerors. You remember Daniel, don't you? Well, Daniel, actually, he was one of the elites and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the Old Testament. They were, they were the sort of ruling classes. So that was the bad news. And now the good news, which is where we come to our passage. The exile is to end. And for those, some folks here are a long way from home, had to leave their country. I work, I'm working now with a, a group of refugee and asylum seekers uh, through music, through the dovetail orchestra. And I've been speaking to people from Afghanistan and Syria. People are a long way from home. an exile, you must yearn for your homeland. You yearn for your homeland if you're not in the place you were born in. But the exile is coming to an end. And Isaiah uses these, these, these words of comfort and joy. And it is actually very akin to the prodigal son in the New Testament God is opening his arms to people. Their punishment is over and he's welcoming them back. Marvellous. It's a joyful, joyful passage this. As most of you know, I worked in prison for many years. Of course, during that time, I saw many people released into the community. Their sentences having been served. Like the Israelites, sentences had been served. What you don't see is a big banner outside Bristol prison saying, Welcome back! we're delighted you're back in our community the mayor's there and all the civic dignitaries come back we you don't see that but that is what God is doing for these people and I'm going to read it out every valley shall be lifted up every mountain and hill be made low the uneven ground become level and the rough places are plain then the glory of God shall be revealed and all the people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken joy marvelous it's all finished The exile is over. You're back in the fold. You may recognise these. Anybody recognise these words? Handel's Messiah maybe? Everybody. Yeah, got it? No, you're too young. (laughs) Yes, it's in Handel's Messiah. Beautiful words. Beautiful singing. But more importantly, they appear in Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness... Of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom has come near. This is he who has spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. Direct quote from the passage today. I love that about the Bible. The things that are in the Old Testament are revealed in the New. John, of course, John the Baptist was talking about Jesus coming. So, some 400 years before his birth, the arrival of Jesus is announced by Isaiah. I don't know if you knew this, but there are 140 prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? When I first became a Christian and I I discovered this, I thought it was amazing. This book really hangs together. (laughs) And that somebody could write something then that could become true in the new. Isn't that amazing? I I love that about the Bible. It all works together. So we've had the bad news, we've had the good news, and now here's the really great news. With the arrival of Jesus comes forgiveness of sin and a welcome in the new kingdom. We've sung about it this morning, haven't we? We've already sung about what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to serve a period in exile because Jesus has paid the price. We should be paying for the things that we've done wrong. We've had our confession today. We've confessed our sins. (laughs) In my daily readings this week, I came across a poem called Judgment, written in 1663, going back a little bit, by George Herbert, a Church of England priest and poet, about him meeting God on Judgment Day. It is in Old English, but I will translate. But I resolve that when thou shalt call for mine, that to decline, and thrust a testament in thy hand, let that be scanned, there thou shalt find my faults are thine. Yeah, you're all looking a bit baffled by that, aren't you? What George Herbert is saying is, when I stand before God on Judgment Day, and if God is not going to accept me, I'll give him a New Testament to read, where he will find that my sins are his. Whoa, that is powerful, isn't it? It's figurative speech, of course, but my sins are his. Isaiah 53 says this, Verse 5, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus paid the price, and that's what the New Testament is all about. Blameless as he was, he takes our sins upon himself so we can be free. Amen.